Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Chaps Chat Cats. My name is Jake, and I'm joined in the virtual studio by two excellent gents, or chaps, as they should be referred to by their proper titles, uh, Sambo and Johnny. Don't know if you're feeling as haggard as I am, chaps, after a late night watching the F1s and then Celtic beating Rangers in the it's actually Cup. probably slightly earlier bedtime than I would normally have, so <laughs> I'm feeling good. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling fine. I'm a well. John's, a, John's a seasoned, uh, deep into the AMs and then up for work kind of yes. veteran, uh, and I'm seasoned deep into the AMs and then up for looking after children veteran. So we're we're just rolling with it. Just like, just like I said, probably, nice. I probably got more sleep last night because I got home at like 12.45 and that was, you know, the mm. activity was done. I was now home, so I went to bed. Whereas like, you That's, know, you get, yeah. you get that, that bad cycle when you're at home where you're like, you're going to watch a movie or something and then do this and that and blah, blah, blah. And then you just, an episode just of on. show. Yeah, I should wind down, so I'll do something else. And then you end up doing that for longer than anticipated. So it was, yeah, like yeah, I said, it was, it was an early night for me last night. <laughs> It could also be something to do with the fact that um, I went and got a flu shot this afternoon. Maybe I'm just starting to feel a bit tired and shitty after that. Don't know. Give, give me that, um, that could have happened. That could be a reason. Or technology, just being a bitch. Um, whatever the case, I am here. Your we are here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Your CPU's right. over here. Yeah, that's, that's right. When they tried to install the 5G in me. Um, yep. <laughs> um, we've got a big episode. I've no, no doubt that it'll be a big episode. There's lots to discuss girthy. on the show tonight. We've oh, got I was going to say girthy. The, a classic. Classic. Well, I'll say lengthy. Okay. Um, <laughs> the Cats and the Bombers Week 7 Recap Podcast. If you want, uh, and so we're going to recap the game going to give you all our thoughts on it for free and then if you are one of our patreon subscribers then you can step behind the silk tapestry with us into the patreon in a smoking sanctum. lounge that's right the inner sanctum and we're going to dissect the performance of patrick dangerfield in our patreon player focus going to look at his season so far um see the the progress that has been made and compare it to last year's form for the great man as well. So, without any further a fucking around, let's get into it, chaps. Let's the Cats went up to the MCG, John, traveling by tractor. They traveled by uh, cow. They traveled on foot by raft in some instances with their little, you know, haversacks mm -hmm. over their, Pri over their shoulders. Duster. That's right. Because it was country round. Oh, it's country round uh, at the MCG. Nothing more country, as John said, Sam, than, you know, a footy game uh, I know, I in the I biggest listen. metropolitan center. Oh, oh, he listens, I John. Listen. Like, I, listen. Hey, <laughs> I, give you, I, I give you some attention. I throw a listen your way when I'm not in the pod. You check us the bone. Nice of you. Right. I mean, I leave it playing in the background uh, with headphones on that I'm not wearing, but like it's. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. A listen's a listen. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
And thanks to everyone who has been listening this month. We are on target to smash our way past Absolutely. a thousand listens in the month. The first time we will have done that since the, the the finals run. So the listening numbers have been trending ever upwards. So we thank everyone who pops us in their ear holes each week. So yeah, the cats traveled up to the MCG to take on Essendon, a wounded Essendon side who were, you know, a bit pissed and peeved after having been surged past by the Pies last week on Anzac Day. Um, and Geelong did Coming nothing but leave Essendon a little bit pissed and a little bit peeved as they smashed 132 points up on the board. Bombers scored 104 themselves, but really a lot of that, you know, I, I don't know about you chaps, a 28-point victory, but I never, ever, ever in this game felt that Geelong were truly in danger of blowing what was always a comfortable lead. This felt a lot like the West Coast Eagles game to me, um, where Geelong blitzed them early, then idled back down to about, you know, second gear, occasionally moving back up into third or maybe. I don't really think we saw fourth or fifth for the Cats. Um, on the weekend, it was pretty much just third, and that was more than enough to account for, you know, a five-goal win against the Bombers. Um, I don't mind who goes first here, but yeah, someone yep. throw in their thoughts. Yep, it was it was a professional game of football. I feel like it's a very Geelong of last year's brand of football. It was get a few goals on early, punish them early, get in that high gear straight away get a good buffer in, and then just sit in cruise control throughout the rest of the game. And there was moments there where Essendon did get on top for five, ten minutes, and then the Cats just did what they needed to do. And they always seemed to respond really, very quickly and easily with three, four goals and just kept that five-goal mm. buffer. Um, and even during those moments where the Bombers really did start getting on top, started having the ball a lot more. So part of me, that was sort of like, oh, yeah, bit of a bit of a surge by the Bombers. I think I sent you guys a message each time. Bombers got a bit of a surge because I was listening on the radio and I was saying, like, oh, Bombers must be playing well. All I'm hearing is the Bombers. And about two seconds after that, the Cats flipped, flipped the switch, got the ball on their terms, got the goals they needed just to get back out to that 30 points. And then that was really it. It wasn't a very flashy game by the Cats by any stretch of the imagination, apart from Hawkins and probably Dangerfield. But they really just went out there, did what they had to do, get the win, keep Essen pretty humbled, I, I think. I think Essen would have gotten humbled by this one, especially after last week where they took it right up to the pies. Yeah, I think coming off that game, they might have a bit more, you know, bad loss. They want to get come out, play really hard, really cement their spot in like that top eight, top four area they wanted to get to. And it sort of felt like they didn't really achieve what they wanted to, the Bombers and the Cats just, just cruised. It was really a cruisy day for the Cats. And, yeah, I just think the they just, it was a professional performance and they did what was required and they played at the level that the Bombers played at and picked it up if they needed to. Do you know what's crazy, chaps? 
um, and is that you know there's a lot of chatter you know back and forth on on Cat's Twitter and that sort of thing uh, uh, after Geelong blitzed out. It was about thirty-eight nothing, or 30, the, the the Cats had I think five goals on the board before the Bombers, um, six goals. They scored the first six goals of the game. The Cats, um, before Essendon got on on the scoreboard. The only time I'm just looking back at the scoreworm, the only time that Essendon put back-to-back goals on the board was at the last five ten minutes of the first quarter. And then they scored the last three goals of the game. Between that, the only team to score multiple goals in a row um, after that initial surge was the Cats, who scored one, two, three in a row to end the second quarter. And they scored um, two in a row either side of three-quarter time. So uh, for all the surging that the Bombers did, Sambo, like this really fit what we talked about in the Eagles game of this was buffer preservation. Geelong did what they needed to do early. And then anytime Essendon threw a goal in, anytime Essendon got on the move, Geelong would weather it. If the Bombers got a goal, the Cats would get one back. What were your sort of general takeaways, thoughts, observations? Uh, Yeah, I think Johnny and yourself have laid it out pretty well. I think John used the word professional. Uh, That was sort of what I had yeah, as my sort of leading remark, which is it was a, a professional win. Um, certainly could have been more if we had wanted it to be more. Um, but no mm-hmm. disrespect to Essendon. It could have been less if we weren't, you know, as good at changing it up when we needed to. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of, I don't think they're quite the contender that they thought or a lot of other people thought this year. But, you know, they do have qualities about them. They're a pretty hardworking team. Um so yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was good. I thought there was a little bit of flash and flare here and there. You know, we saw shades of the Sydney game, shades of the grand final. You know, there were some of those passages of play. Um, there was those quick hands in front of the goal face. Um, mm. Can't even remember who 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 it all. I think it was close. Myers, Cameron, um, might have been Henry that finished it off. I can't remember who it was that finished it off in the end. Um, but anyway, it was, was you know there was kind of Bruin one. Oh, it might have been Bruin. Yeah. It was it was lateish in the game in the goal square. Oh, okay, um, yeah. No. And there was yeah. there was a lot of a lot of passages of play. You know, like we probably didn't do it as consistently as we did against Sydney, um, or as consistently as we do at our best. But I, I think, yeah, no, I agree that I was never phased really after a first quarter like that, knowing the cats we know. Um, you know, we've talked about them all year, all last year, all the year before about how they will manage their season, they manage their players, and they also manage the game. I think I think to Essendon's credit, I think what we saw in that third quarter was not just Geelong sitting back and going, who gives a shit? I think it was Geelong hoping they could sit back <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, and then it turned out to be that we couldn't sit back quite as much as we hoped for, so that we had to, like, you know, turn it back on again and then come out in the f- fourth quarter, um, you know, with a bit, a bit of a readjusted, you know, um, plan of attack. Because I think once we had suffered, you know, bows went out so early and then there was just constant knocks all day. Players are constantly going mm-hmm. off, getting checked, sitting there with ice for a bit. Um, so I think we there really was a sense of trying to, you know, we we had such a good start. We'd laid so many on. If we could grind that game out in second or third gear, then then why would you why would you not? Um, 
So I think that's what it was. I think, as we've said before, the fans can really get hung up on percentage. We've got the second best percentage in the league and and we've lost yep. three games. Like there's there's no reason to stress about our percentage at this point. Like <laughs> but is it's, it we're the only mm. the only did you what was that stat you posted, Jake? The only team in to to get we're the only team plus four times in a row. Yeah, I was just having a look. We're the only team to get a hundred and twenty or a hundred and thirty points four weeks in a row. It was Sir Swamp Thing who posted it. Um since I, I think 2010 Collingwood. Um, and, and so, you know, that's 13 years where no one has done like the type of scoring that Geelong's done in this month of footy. It, it, it's pretty mm. remarkable. Um, yeah. The, the, the Bomber Thompson cats never did this. Mm. It's pretty good. And going back to that percentage, but who, what other team would have? Uh, percentage that's second best after losing the first three games. You you think losing your first three games of the season, you'd be struggling to have a good percentage, but that's mm. just a way the cats. This percentage stayed pretty healthy during those three losses, and then with these this last month, they're putting the hard work to boost up the percentage, and now they can have these games like this Essendon game where they can put the, mm. the high score up and it doesn't matter if the opposition scores a good rate at a good rate either because percentage is still pretty healthy. And it's going to take a fairly serious loss or some really close games to sort of affect that. And the way the Cats are playing, it's they're playing really well and not at their best. So, uh, yeah, mm. the percentage isn't a worry. It isn't a worry and- for me at all. It's just getting those those wins. Yeah, and I think it's 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 again such a um such a narrow sided view of the game when people come up to you afterwards and go, Oh, you know, the cats don't want to win it, they don't you know, they don't they don't want to put the foot down, blah blah. Like our plan is to put the foot down on the on the competition, on the season. It's not to put the foot down on yeah. one club that we're already up on um by a healthy buffer. So I, I think to, again to, Yeah, well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some people need a lesson. Some people need a lesson here and there. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> um, and credit to Essendon too. Apart from, I think it was towards the end, really, when they they did get some junk time goals, but they also laid some misses. Essendon were pretty um, consistent. Were pretty efficient with it when they mm, did get yes. a chance on goal. So that's the other thing that kept the scores quite close. Um, you know, after we put on a buffer, we we did get a little. Um, a little hungrier. There were some times when Hawkins didn't dish off when he maybe would have was going for a goal. Um, you know, there's there's a few times when traditionally you would expect us to to go for an easier option, and we went for went for a bit of a specky. So, I think there was a sense of play to it as well. The cats were trying to generate a bit of fun out of it here and there as well, get some mm. uh, get some confidence boosters. So yeah, no, like you like you said, John, it was professional. Like you said, Jake, I wasn't at all worried at any point. The only, the only thing was was in that third quarter where I said, okay, the Cats now need to just pick it up just a little bit because Essendon aren't good enough to roll over us from this point, but they're certainly better mm. than than we were hoping they would be, and they're not just going to lie down mm. um, with us trundling around in first gear. So it was good. There's yeah. some highlights. There was a really really good team performance, um, and yeah, I saw no signs for concern. Yeah, 
No, agree. Um, let's get into some three-word reviews from the Beautiful. Chaps Twitter crew before we get into deeper thoughts. Um, something for you guys to have a think about that we might come back to. I'd love to know, um, you know, I was watching the Bulldogs uh, game with Jack from Markers Up podcast. Um, on the JBS. I think I'm appearing. On, I think I'm appearing on this week's episode of the Markers Up podcast. Um, and he was saying, you know, I, I think we were having a chat or at least I was thinking it in my head when I was watching it was like, you can really tell when the Bulldogs are on where they're flicking those quick hand passes around, um, keeping the ball moving and in play. And it, it, it's a different thing. Like it, it's just as fast as possible. That's sort of the, the, um, the modus operandi for them operandi operandi whatever you want um you know so that's really like a real telltale of when the dogs are playing well i'd love to maybe ask both of you what's that key thing what's that trigger thing for you when you're like oh we're on here you know what i mean the cats are on cats are playing cats footy and we'll we'll get to that after the three word reviews i just wanted to give you some time to actually think about it Oh, no, no, already no, already know, I know, already Johnny. Know. I already know. Oh, we well, already do you want to do it now then? Do it now. <laughs> yeah, let's do it Do now. it now. Let's do it. You go, John. You said you were right. first. So it's it's just those moments where the cats just, when you know the cats are on, it's when balls bounce in the middle. It doesn't matter which ruckman taps it. The cat's on it. It's handballed out either towards the, enemy, the enemy's goal, straight to a to Guthrie, Dangerfield, or um, Atkins, or Holmes. Holmes. And then it's a quick kick out to the wing, which then is played on straight away, either to the handball, back to the guy who kicked it first. And then the other players are still, we received the ball, he then passes it to the guy who sent it to him first. He then runs around, gets it back, and it's inside 50 within a flash. Whoop, turn my camera off. Johnny's disappeared. <laughs> we can still hear you, John. And then, uh, can you hear us? I can hear you. And it's just those moments. Uh, you, you keep talking. When, um, I'll see if I can. Yeah, there we go. And it's just those moments when the ball's moving fast. It's not really flicking hand balls like the Bulldogs. It's more of this that controlled movement going forward when the player with the ball knows his teammate. He's going to be exactly where he needs him to be, and he can just pass it without looking even. And it's just so ever flowing. It's like a river flowing. It's always mm. just moving forward. It's smooth. It's controlled, and the opposition has no way of stopping it. No idea what's going on before it's too late. And it's just yeah, it's mm. it's just that flowing. It's like that interwoven pattern that the cats can do. But I get it. And the ball, the person who kicked it to the next guy, continues to run, gets it back, and just pumps it. I think that's for me. I know when the cats run, when they can, they just don't stop running. Never, they never stop running. Mm. What about you, Sambo? So Johnny's gone the, that sort of flowing, lightning quick well, I mean, break from the clearance uh, and that sort of thing. Yeah, what about you? Say, What's I think, your I think mine's less. Mine's the lightning quick break from the clearance, less less the flowing one. I think there's that one. There's the mm. one that Johnny's talking about. There's also the working it up from the back when the cats do that really well. When, you know, mm. because that's kind of the, the fallout of our game style at the moment. 
is we generally do cop a counter or two. You know, I mean, as with Essendon, we put a lot mm. on, but we we let a few through. And one of the signifiers of when we're on is how quickly that bounces back. You know, we weather another attack, but it's it's but mm. the one I'm ta- the one I like specifically is when you know there's there's blood in the water and the cats are onto it is when we cut out the middleman when it's from the clearance. Like John said, doesn't matter who taps it down. The next person to get it is a cat, and it's just just straight into the 50, just thump straight. It's generally mm. blicks or danger straight out there. There's mm. no messing around because that's what the cats do when, yeah, when, they, when they've smelt blood in the water, when they know they're on and the footy gods are with them because they just don't mess around so much. And it's not really something that I think post-2022 we really saw them do. They are a much mm. more methodical team. And I, the thing I love about this team at the moment with the the forward line we've got is those bits when it's blicks, you know, doesn't even tap it down, just collects it out of the ruck somehow, or Stanley taps it down mm. to blicks or danger field, and then it's just a, an absolutely beautiful drop punt straight in onto Hawkins, straight down to Cameron, or to a, to a contest with Rowan, because I think when the cats are more cautious, they're not playing that way. Mm. When they're feeling feeling the game out, they'll tend to go out wide. They'll tend to sort of feel, feel, tease the defense out a little bit. Um, but like, say, in the Sydney game or the first quarter against Essendon, there's no fucking around. It's just, it's just the most, most basic three touches to get mm. into the 50, but just um, done so efficiently. It'd be fascinating, like you just said, you know, you didn't see a lot of that sort of prior to 2022. Um, you know, there was sort of a range of time where we'd moved away from that fast flowing kind of footy to more methodical well, I, ball I think, control. I think, I think Rowan getting back on his game. I think Stengel, I think the, the the smalls we've got and also what Cameron's done to our forward line has allowed us to do that because beforehand, if we yeah. had a played that way, if, if Dangerfield collects the tap from the, from the contest and smashes it forward, he's probably kicking it to Hawkins with three defenders on him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's where, whereas now they can't do that. Because if if you do that to Hawkins, Cameron and Rowan and the and the smalls are roaming, so it's really broken that forward line open. It's really spread it out and and made it so that you can, as long as it's a good kick to one of the sort of preordained spots that you've probably um, worked into your system, mm. there's a chance it's going to cause some real trouble for the defense. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, you know, really on is when the opposition then start clearing it and they kick it out, and then they just stop. I reckon this is where John was going to go, where Jake was going to go. Yeah. And then it stopped and there's nowhere to go that backwards. Yeah, you go, Jake. Is that what you were going to say, Jake? Because no, I know I, you love that. I, I know was you going, love when they're I was stagnant. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love when they're stagnant. I love when we've got that wall set up and it's Guthrie or Stewie or whoever taking intercept marks to relaunch the attack. But something that I've found across the last month, particularly the last three games, um, is chest marks inside forward 50 is mm. like, oh fuck, we're on here because we're we've we're we're laser focused on hitting a lead. I, th- I feel like if we go back and look at the first three weeks of the season, there was a lot of hitting it like landing it in on top of the heads of the forward line. And look, sometimes Jeremy Cameron was good enough to float in and take an incredible mark, but you know, someone was good enough to rove it off the pack. But the last few weeks, you can tell early Geelong 
sort of just take advantage of their mismatches inside forward 50 by honoring good leads um, with, with good kicks. There's no sort of blazing away um, aimlessly. I think that for me, early doors against Essendon, um, when, when Hawkins was taking marks inside 50, it was like, yeah, we're on here. Um, that's just a little small thing I guess I look for is if we're taking marks inside 50, one, it means we've, we've, we've got advantageous matchups inside forward 50, but two, it means that the midfield are, are really dialed in on where they're putting the ball. So yeah. that for me this month has been a big trigger mm-hmm. for, hey, the, the, the cats are up and about. And that was the last season once we were on that run as well, the efficiency. Um, I think you also uh, see let's that, jump. that they go for, like Hawkins will go for chess mm-hmm. marks in situations where um, sticking out the Dukes would have been more traditional. Do you know, mm-hmm. and that's when mm-hmm. because Hawkins loves a chess mark, and you know we've got a mismatch, or just Hawkins is on when, and this is what was happening against Essendon, where the ball's coming in in such a scenario where you would think you would require a leap, but he'll just plant, mm-hmm. plant the feet and out body and go for a, a chess mark in a in an overhead con- contest where he'll just wait for it to come down. So I think that's just a like a side note on what we're also talking about, Jake. Is it's not mm-hmm. only always about the delivery, but it's about them feeling like. Mm-hmm they're in a position to go for, for their optimal as well. There's no desperation to it. There's no like, oh, we've got to get, I've got to get, just get hands to it. It's about, I'm going to take control of this yeah. situation and make it my 99% effective scenario. <laughs> and I love when 90- you see Gary Rowan or Ollie Henry take chess marks. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Not the, the biggest forwards, but the medium forwards are leading out like at full speed and they hit it so fast. They almost, they're almost tumbling over themselves. Yeah. Ooh. When the mark yeah, is completed, it's just like the defender has no chance no, no. When, when you can hit them at that speed. Yeah. Mm. No, there's no um, hope. Uh, Especially when there's a there defender is no hope. That's, when, uh, that's given away a weight disadvantage to Hawkins. As soon as Hawkins goes, mm. huh, this guy's small. You just know he's going to have a good day. Yeah. I, I did feel a little bit of empathy for whoever it was that was playing on Hawkins because it was pretty clear early on that he was going to get sort of abused. Um, Hawkey's just too strong. And and not only is he too strong, he's just too clever now too. Like it was one thing when he was younger. It's one thing to be young and strong. It's another thing to be 34 and just know your game inside out and know the game inside out. And God, it's just, it's a nightmare um, for for defenders to match up on him. I had no empathy for that defender. He should have known what he's going in for. We know you're a ruthless bastard, John. (laughs) Absolutely. And Hawkins (laughs) took advantage, and good on Hawkins. You know, take advantage. Oh, absolutely. Because that's what some players just deserve if they're not ready. And he he may have been ready, but he wasn't, obviously. (laughs) So... Let's is what on it that is. It's football. brutal, callous note from Johnny Larkin. Let, <laughs> yeah. Let's get into. Some We're not free, here to make free Johnny's free running Oz kick on Saturdays now, uh, <laughs> starting next week. <laughs> yeah, sign your kids up. Yeah. If they're Absolutely. not ready, John's prepared to show them they're not ready. Um, <laughs> they'll be, they'll be taking markers up kid? with John in the pack. <laughs> yeah, take them out. Um, so we. We asked you guys to give us your three-word reviews of the performance, as we do each week. Johnny, our Johnny, said we are cooked. 
<laughs> um, Troy, we are Geelong. I, I like this one from Elongated Musk Stick. Um, Farmer Tom's Goat. Greatest of all time. I like it. No, nice. Bit of country around punnage there. Um, Brad Wiedemann says, hopefully I've said that right. Uh, Hawk is immortal. Simon ticking over nicely. Marcus, focus on crows, which is a nice little fuck acronym. Um, Scaredy Cat says, powerful, persistent, prolific. Max, Blake, Tom, fucking Hawkins. Uh, Paish who I believe is a conscious uh, cat that has its own Twitter account and also barracks for the Suns, um, says Hawk kick bag. Jays says you fucking beauty. Supercoach mama, Hawkins Benjamin Button. Like it. Simon Duckworth, fuck. Essen Don. Uh, Kieran, <laughs> I want a 10. <laughs> yeah. um, Darren says... Two head monster Owen simp for Simpson. Just let's briefly pause here. Who who do you simp for in this Cats team? I reckon Sam's is obvious. Uh, uh, Sam's yeah, a Gary Rowan simp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we really need to. Who's John? Uh, let's. Uh, is it still Guthrie? Like Cam Guthrie, John, or who are you simping for these days? I, I don't know. It's a tough one. Mm. John needs it's to find someone to to worship one. at the feet of. I would have put my money on it being Cameron, but but I, I don't know. I don't know yeah. your heart, John. I'm just guessing. I don't know. I think it's leaned a bit towards Isaac Smith. Oh, Smith was going to be this. Oh, Smithy. like Smithy. it. Still carries the flame. But also... For the former scummer. Close. Close is up there as well. Just level mm. in close is on. You know, when, you know when the cats are playing well is when um, close is... Chasing down players and just laying some magnificent tackles, and also getting a couple mm. of goals. And just when he's moving, when you see mm. close moving, mm. that's in, speed, sl- you in know slow motion with on. a dream board around it. That's yeah, when you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> careless whispers playing in the background and rose Absolutely. petals what about, sprinkling. I'm guessing on the screen. Um, you're still Tommy Stewart. It was a, it's a really I was actually interested to ask the question because when I started to think about it, I was like, hmm, interesting. Like, do, do you know what I want to say? Actually, oh, Patrick Dangerfield. Passed the wrong screen. No, I think I am simping for a VFL player at the moment. Oh. Mm. I mean, if you hold me to it in the AFL, I'll, I'll, I'll pick one. Um, and look, it probably would be Tom Stewart. I think we take him for granted far too much. He's one of those players now. It's like um, the obvious choice. Selwood a few seasons ago or, or Amy McDonald in the AFLW team is just so easy to take their brilliance for granted. Like I think Stewart had another like 26 touches, 24 of them kicks, 12 marks or something. Um, and he kind of gets overshadowed, but he's fucking, he's just brilliant every week. Um, yep. So I probably would be Stewie. In the VFL, though, Ted Closey, I nice. I am a big fan, a big fan. I wrote my weekly VFL men's recap, and he featured in the player performance analysis section. I think if you had to, if you said you've got to pluck one VFL midfielder who hasn't made an AFL start yet from that Cats lineup and put him in next week, 
I think Ted Closey is is your man. I think he has a very very bright future um, at the Catters. So, uh, here's, yes, here's all a, right. Um, basically, in relation to Brad Close. Close, he's closey, closeyish, closey. Um, <laughs> all right, let's move on here. Tristy says on cruise control. Uh, Jane makes me happy. I like that because I think Jane might have. I, I could be wrong. I feel like Jane sent one a few weeks ago. I said makes me sad when we lost to the Suns. Could be oh. wrong, but someone definitely said that. Uh, so we're glad that you're happy, Jane. Joey says consistent team performance, Matt. Hope you're wearing the green socks, Matt, and I hope you continue to wear them. Uh, says Dangerfield to Hawkins. Uh, not Max Rook. Glad we cleared that up. Says Big Tommy Hawkins. Uh, Liam uh, has a, um, what's the character from The Office? Uh, it's not The Office, Parks and Rec. Ron his name? Swanson. Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson saying, it's so beautiful. Um, Ian. Says Essendon are ordinary. Yarak says Jeremy Cameron underfed was kind of true. Mm. Uh, I, I still says nice. Yeah, I'll just say I still think it was just a, a ploy, but a whole cats team and um, Chris Scott. So you know what? <laughs> Let's just feed Hawkins this week. Let's just him <laughs> and not worry about Cameron too much. Cameron's still going to get his three goals and cruise mm. through this game. But let's just focus on Hawkins. Give him some love. And it works. Yeah. Give everyone, give future opponents the selection headache. A week after they each keep five, now he goes eight, Cameron goes three. Um, Nick says nine and three. It's happening. Della said super, super Tom, accompanied with a great little video clip of some standing room Cats fans chanting uh, Super Tommy Hawkins. We need to get amongst that, Sam. When uh -huh. you and I we were going to, we were going to. I know. Well, Someone well, reach out because there seems to be this. Yes. We've got that option of the um, game at against Melbourne at Cardinia on the Thursday evening. Whatever the Cats is. now. John. <laughs> the key the key element of this is that there seems to be a group of very dedicated cats fans who stand up the back and sing and chant we heard them doing the Geelong chant at Easter Monday uh, I want to get in amongst that next time I go to the footy I don't want to sit in a plastic corporate seat on a mm -hmm. stand I want to get myself a beer and I want to chant and holler as well. So it, 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 let, let us, us know in there, how this goes Let us down. in the club. Yeah, come Teach on. Teach us the hand. Yeah. You want to be to part of in. it. Get us in there. <laughs> That's right. Please. That's right. We'll be just as oh, rowdy as anyone, right. if not rowdier. We'll take it. We'll be those people that take it too far. <laughs> John, we want them to, we <laughs> want want them to invite us in. <laughs> yeah. You'll regret this for sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do you know who we are? What? <laughs> Um, all right. Anything there stand out to your chaps um, from the three-word reviews? Like anything you want to talk about? Do we want to lavish Hawkey with any sort of praise? Like, you know, it was, it was not that long ago that everyone was saying, um, oh, he needs a little mini preseason. He needs this. He needs that. And Sambo made the great point on the pod that Chris Scott had said, look, he's doing his rehab live and in color 
on the screen. He's and then lo and behold, he's come back the last month and and been absolutely you know incredible. A beast. Yeah, well, like he just doesn't show any signs really of slowing down. It's only as with any player injury that's going to sort of you know curtail his impact. He's still such a hard matchup. Do you have deeper thoughts on Hawkins or is there somewhere else you want to take it? Sambo, I'll give you first crack at this little section because I gave um, Johnny first crack at the general thoughts. There's not a lot more to say on Hawkins. Like, I mean, I'm sure we could go on and maybe people do want us to go on, but I do feel like of all the the parts of the Cats team, like the general media does very little well. But the one thing they are doing well is talking about how good Hawkins was. So... It, it seems to be pretty well publicized. So, you know, I think for us just to say, you know, he's a legend. He's, because been, a, it's... he's been a staple of our generation of cats watching. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's along with like Selwood and that kind of like, they're kind of like the, they're our cats. They're our players that we've grown up sort of watching. Nice um, contextualization. Yes. Like yes. It. And uh, like, that's, you know, and that's why it's, that's why it's special to see that, you know, he's getting better. And, you know, even the the people in the media are kind of going like, when has this ever happened before that a player's got better with age? Um, so I think, mm. yeah, uh, if you guys want to go back and circle around and touch on it, that's fine. But I think, no, I think you, you know, covered it. I think, I think he's pretty special and they've said it. Um, I think it's nice to see pretty much general positivity coming out of the three word reviews. Um, you know, not too many people seem to be trying to keep a lid on it and go, oh, it's just Essendon. There's none of those none of those three worders mm. or anything like that because, mm. like, you know, again, you don't want to respect them too much. Um, uh, disrespect them too much. <laughs> don't want to respect them too much either, <laughs> to be honest. Throwing, <laughs> throwing, throwing wanton respect around uh, ad, ad nauseum. Um, but you don't want to disrespect them too much either. But I think, um, I think as we said before, it's good to enjoy the win. I'm glad people aren't too kind of like, oh, you know, we're only now in the in the in the positive bracket of wins to losses. Um, mm. I don't know. There's not a, not a lot from the. I, I like that how positive the three word three word reviews are. I like how clever people are being. Love seeing some repeat names. I love that people are you know getting on this mm. from week to week. Um, but there's not too much I want to touch on those the the three words, so I won't uh, I won't take us off my hand yet. Yeah, Johnny, I don't know if there's anything you want to touch on. I, I've got something I wouldn't mind throwing out, but I, I I would keep us to probably five minutes on it because we kind of hit it pretty hard last week. But I sort of wanted to touch on it again. Um, I'll I'll go ahead and throw it out. Um, that Error. is like the. Just this has been yet another week of just general shit fuckery from the the footy media complex. Like, and and as I said, I'll keep it to five minutes because we've kind of said it all. But Sam, you posted a great. I better not start talking. (laughs) It was just you know David King, you know, like, and and so many of these people speaking out of both sides of their mouth like in one breath it's um you know there's a great side by side i think geelong insider on twitter posted a really cool little side by side of david king saying um oh you know that clip 
that twenty second clip of I, I think I think they're cooked. I think they're they're done. They're over. And I don't say that lightly, but I think they're cooked. Whatever it was, and then yesterday on Jared Waitley's show or whatever it is, putting Geelong in the bracket of four teams that he thinks are the only four teams with a genuine chance of winning, and mm-hmm. saying I think we'd all agree that the only four clubs are those. Like, it. There's no solution here, is there, chaps? Like this. This is. This is what, and I, I, I reshared your thoughts on, you know, unplugging Sam from from the mm. footy media, the general footy media, because there's no remedy to this, because this they are they're actually doing the job as it's designed to be done to generate clicks. This is all part of it, is to just foster general dissatisfaction and rage online to drive viewership, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it seems that way. I think I think in a utopian world there is another way around it, but um, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, I agree with that, hundred percent. It's yeah, it's just that shock jockey bull crap that mm. they want to, you know, be the first to break this breaking news and go, look, look what I said. Yeah, in after three rounds, I said this game was going to be cooked. I said this team was no good. I said this player was no good, and I was right all the way back then. Instead of doing it right, really the smart thing, and going it's three rounds, they're not playing well. Let's see what happens in the next month, or let's see what happens from here on there, because they've still got some champion players and whatnot. Like a team full of really good players just doesn't drop off the cliff like that with minimal change um but you know and that's the thing that's happening at richmond at the moment it's like i'm just keep thinking what's what's going on at richmond why are they all of a sudden dropped off the cliff because i know they've got some injuries but they still seem to have a pretty good team out there and so what Mm. why why isn't there more heat on that team and why is it always when the cats play a couple bad rounds it's that's it they're Mm. done they're cooked. And is well, they've been playing that fuel for what 12, 13 years now in a row. So what else do they know? They don't know any better. They don't know any other story apart from the cats have done this year. And you know what? Mm. I really enjoy it because I enjoy the cats proving them wrong every single year. I yeah, do like that. I do and, like proving think- them wrong. It makes it hard to disengage. Like that makes it hard to yeah. eat my own medicine when I tell people to disengage, and then I end up just dipping the toe back in to see what's being said. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I sort of want to clarify too for people listening. This isn't like a thing where we're saying the media, you know, the 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 large scale media aren't allowed to make you know considered points and be wrong. It's it's not. It's far from me to criticize people for for having a thought that turns out to be wrong like things like that happen all the time like if if you go back and check the record of our podcast yes there's a few you know some things that we've got right over the course of you know two and a bit years there's also plenty of stuff that we would have said our our player focus this week is dangerfield specifically because we felt like we were wrong on our on our predictions for him this year and we're going to go into it and talk about how wrong we were (laughs) Exactly, but the, the the thing with that we don't like is just the the immediacy of the flip flop, the lack of like 
ownership and accountability, the sort of bald faced. Yeah. Just it's like John said, it's the shock jock clickbaity crap. And, and do you know what I guess my frustration is? I don't feel like there's any, if not any, I think we lack enough um, education-minded people in footy media on the broad scale. The stuff that most people watch, like our listenership for those, you know, like we, we probably had about 300 people listen this week, the last seven days, which is fucking fantastic. And we love it. And it's it's so grown um, from where it started. But for, for everyday people who are mostly just consuming, they go to AFL.com or they watch Fox footy or whatever it might be. They listen to SEN. I just feel like we should so be putting more of an emphasis on, or I wish large scale footy media outlets put more of an emphasis on how do we help people better understand the game? How do we talk mm. people through the intricacies, not only tactically, but list building and recruitment? And I don't mean from the point of view of like, hey, where's Darcy Parrish going to go next year? I'm talking about like educating them on the process and, and, and to understand that the ebbs and flows of a footy season and, and how to be a better educated fan. Mm. And welcome for you guys to add your thoughts. But oh, and you should do that now, actually, because I've got a little thing that I want to well, finish on. But yeah. They should just listen to us if they're a cat supporter. Don't worry about listening to AFL Mia because what, what we were saying at the start of the year and through those first three rounds has happened. Like they were just not, they weren't playing well, but it's, it's a long season. There's a reason why the cats probably weren't playing well. And the reason was. Mm. As I said, all throughout those three weeks was I'd rather have games where they're playing not that great at the very start, where they've got an entire season to work out all the kinks, work out what's not working, work out what players play where, especially the new guys coming in, where do they fit in, and then by the time the finals come around, they're mm. the best as they possibly can be to attack those final series instead of starting off fantastically, winning every game, cruising through the season, not having any trouble when a month out of the finals, this shit happens and you don't have enough time to fix it. And all I say is just look at Melbourne last year, cruising mm. 10 straight wins and then they fell in a heap. I don't want that to happen to, to the Cats. I'd rather it happen when it did. And, you know, as as you mentioned I think it was after the first game or the second game, Jake, how they you thought they may have done some heavy pre-season stuff and mm. they were just a bit worn out. And I think it was, what, the first win or the second win where the mm. commentators said, well, they may have just done some heavy training. Last week. Yeah, done some mm. heavy training during those weeks. So maybe that's why they weren't playing so well and they've just got back to match fitness and... You said that at the very start. So just listen to us. We know what we're sort of talking about in a way. And, and, because and we've got a lot of trust in the cats and they know what they're doing. And, and we've talked about this before. Like, I've got a lot of short points. One of them being the benefit of fanless mm. podcasts. If you are not fans of the cats and you're somehow listening to this for some reason, <laughs> like, there would be this for another team. 
for the Absolutely. other teams. Do you know mm. what I mean? You'll be able to find a, a fan list that just watches your team, knows your team inside and out, reads up on your team, listens to the interviews. You know that that actually because the problem with the media, the overall media is that they're not just looking at one team, so they'll never cover one team to the depth that a mm. an independent uh, outlet that's focused on that one team would. Uh, and I think, I guess, in closing, the the accountability and the uh, demystification of data and facts is what's really the issue with the media at large is that they use all this the fucking championship data and no one no one has access to it they just bring it out and they go oh this says this this shit's up and this shit's down and this this has gone sideways from then um and they just mm. it's just full on like i said to you guys it's just it's just a complete trust me bro kind of thing where they just say mm. shit and we're all meant to and it's designed for like you said jake everyday people log in read an article mm. listen to a podcast turn up to work and shit on their team, on their, their like co-worker that goes for a team that lost because they'll be like, oh, they said they're cooked or Richmond's cooked or whatever. Mm. They'll be able to say this stuff. Do you see what David King said? And like give people shit. It's basically what it is. It's just bragging rights fuel really mm. is what it's there for. And like you said, nothing wrong with being wrong, but the issue is no. they, just, they just throw shit out there like it's facts and they don't even feel, I would have more pride for them. Uh, I'd more respect for them if they were prideful about it. If they said Geelong are cooked, and even mm. now they were going, no, it's a flash in the pan. Geelong are still cooked, and then they were able to give us some information as to why that is. But it's shocking to me that that point when they went, oh, maybe they did a heavy workload preseason. Makes you guys, they don't even look when they said, oh, they had a really yeah. bad off season, and they used that Jeremy Cameron interview where he talked about how yep. unfit he was, and they used that to tarnish the whole team. They said, Gary Rowan can't handle that. Maybe maybe um, Jeremy Cameron can. Mm. Gary Rowan can't. Close can't. Brian Myers can't. So they used words and quotes from Jeremy Cameron to paint the entire team. And it was from like four months prior. It was like December when this interview was, because I had watched the mm. interview, the podcast that he was in. And you realize they just don't back it up. They had no reason to assume that mm. we'd done a light workload. They have no reason to assume we'd done a heavy workload either. They just that that was as uninformed. They're like, oh, maybe, mm. maybe, maybe this is what's happening. And <laughs> David mm. King goes, they're cooked. They're, you know, in the four that can win it. Then in, during the commentary, three or four times, he said they're the best in the competition. And then in the same podcast where he put them in the top bracket of four, he said they're at four with an asterisk next to them. And, and that but it doesn't say it doesn't say what it's just like from from one sentence to another they can just throw this shit out and that's where the accountability comes in because there's never any issue with it there's no there's never any mm. oh shit you were wrong I was wrong whatever it is they just flip flop they just go from one fucking thing to the to the next they read the 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 games and the matches at face value the data at face value and even if they are experts and they're good at you know, analyzing things and they are correct. Tell us why. It's not enough to tell us one thing. And then when you're wrong, be able to go, well, look at this. Like if David King has said Geelong are cooked because of this, this, and this, and then he's gone, mm. they're the best in the competition, presumably he'd be able to go, because look at this. And he can open up his spreadsheet and go, this is what has changed. This is why they mm. I thought they were cooked, but look what they've done to these stats. 
but it's not. It's just yeah. fucking sound bites thrown out without any thought, and nobody gives a shit. This yeah. is the, I, I would almost have more respect. They need to have a, a segment, Sam, either a walk back Wednesday or maybe like Mia Culpa Monday, where, yeah. where, where they're allowed, you know, they, they're allowed to say, look, I said this two weeks ago. And like, Why? my problem is Why? that What's everyone just putting the hand up, going, nothing. A few weeks Nothing ago, I said Jake's them. just thinking of how to do it in an entertaining yeah. way because they seem yeah, to want to. Anyway. That seems to be all they give a shit about, not information. Yeah. Well, it's entertainment. Just entertainment. But that's frust. That's what's that. That's what I get is it, that's frustrating to me. Is you can be educational and accountable and entertaining. I feel like that's what we try and strive for on, on the show, and there's and what lots of people out there strive to be. It is okay. Like people like us, we are in, in a sense, the business of entertaining. We want you to be entertained listening. But I would also like to think that people come away with something thought-provoking, something they agree with, something they disagree with, something maybe they didn't know, something that enhanced the knowledge they already had on a topic. Like that is, that would be incredible. And we've received some really nice messages um, from people the last few months, you know, here and there just saying, basically speaking to that and it's really nice and, and you know so you you can sort of almost hear those conversations where where journalists or, or analysts you know the talking heads on tv go well i'd love to know that and you know uh, sorry i would love to be that i would love to offer more but you know the five minute time slot doesn't allow or that doesn't sell copy tv companies and radio companies i think Audiences need to demand a higher standard of product. If you're not happy with the with the footy media that you are getting, then look for alternative sources. So I'll just say this: there are great channels. If you wanted to, we love that you listen to ours. If you want to support the Patreon, we love that too. But there's a lot of other good shit out there. Um, I believe it's the Shinboner is a brilliant um, blog. Um, which I would really like to sign up for their Patreon, actually. Um, as we've mentioned before, Mark is up. Podcast, Rudy Edsel does a great weekly um, written recap of Cats Footy. The Hoops Show do really good stuff on YouTube, but they're just one of a host of brilliant, independent um, footy you know, analysts, podcasters, YouTubers, etc., Go and support them. Put your time in to them. If you want TV stations to do better, we all have to we have to demand better. And I think it's worth demanding better because the coverage is very much narrative driven. And I think there's really smart people out there who can both entertain and educate. Daisy Pierce, for instance, um, mm. having watched NFL last season and seen um, Peyton and Eli Manning do what they called the Manning cast for Monday Night Football. And it was those two talking through the game. So that was kind of like a watch party almost with two guys who used to play. Give me Daisy Pierce and someone else doing that one game around where it's just them. They don't commentate it. They just break down. Hey, this is what just happened here. Like there's lots of good people out there who, can, who, who could do that. So I, I think as much as we can say, 
it's on the companies to do better. They're not going to do better unless people demand better. So uh, that's just our, we've spoken for 15 minutes on it, but I think it is held accountable. We did not talk for five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. If we're accountable here, um, I want to get into some votes chaps. Um, but before we do votes, I know there's going to be a bunch of players as every week who miss out. So let's go around the table right now, the virtual table, and just throw out some players who maybe aren't in your votes who you want to just mention one or two things that they did or something you liked about their game. Um, Johnny, I will start with you, then Sam, and then me. Oh, it's tough, 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 tough one. Um, I'm going to go with Tenor Bruin. I thought that was a really... Solid game by him. Um, I watched the last. I was able to watch the last quarter. I was listening to the rest of it, but I thought mm-hmm. when I was watching him, he looked good. Um, when he was in that mid, the middle, he was looking ultra desperate to get his hands on the ball, no matter what. Really getting just in and under, trying to get it out through his to um, his teammates. Did some really nice things. Scored a couple of really nice goals out here, and just felt like he. New knows that his spot isn't there each week and he's got to earn his spot. And I thought this week he sort of just clicked for him. It was like, I want to play in this area. I'm going to give my all. And I yeah, just thought he did. It sounded like he did on the radio. It looked like he was just putting his body in there, doing his absolute best to um, try and keep his spot in his side. And he may not have done it this week but if he starts playing like that each week starts putting a bit more you know building more muscle and more game craft and all that he's going to be a pretty solid player for the cats and he's got a good base and i thought yeah he's not in my votes but he's he's going to be one of those players that could um, be in the votes each week nearly in the near future like it i like it a lot johnny um it's hard fighting at the end, at the edge of that squad. Mm. I watched Brandon Parfit in the VFL, and you know you can just see it. It would be a struggle. It would be a really tough position to be in to be on the fringes of a squad, knowing any week you could be in, but any week you could be out. Um, and it's all on you to push push your way into that squad. But at the same time, you're sort of relying on other guys falling out of form. So it, it's a tricky one. Um, Sambo, what about who's a player? For you, not in your votes. Um, this is someone who was in my votes for probably the first three quarters, and oh, uh, maybe the first half even, and then didn't mm. didn't do anything terrible in the second half, but just dropped off a little. And that's Sam Simpson. Uh, I gave him some honorary votes last week, and I I really thought he he was going to be my one uh, this week, um, but he just had a quieter second half, I think. But I I just um, was really impressed with what he brought again. Um, I think he brings he brings a real nice touch of class. Like we, the thing we, the thing I love with the cats team is that Sucks we're getting, up. yeah, and we're getting some real battlers in there. You know, we're getting the the Tom Atkins and that you know that that kind of caliber of guys, which is something we were lacking for a while. Some real grit, um, but then it's nice to have a real classic cat kind of feeling player, like a guy that feels like he probably mm-hmm. could have slotted into the uh, you know the two thousand and seven era pretty well. Um, with real silky, mm. silky ball uh, control, um, and 
great distribution, great eye, great vision and um and knowledge of the game. And one of those players that like can act as if he's under no pressure at all when he's under a lot of pressure. Like his, I think I talked about last week, his sidesteps, his his fend-offs and that aren't showy. They're not flashy. They're very efficient and and appropriate for the situation. It's not it's not to be an ass. It's not to sell candy. It's because it's the 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 best option to him in that scenario. Uh, and I thought he, mm-hmm. I thought he brought that really consistently for for two or three quarters. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. This is actually really hard. There's so many players that I would, I would like to mention. Um, look, I, I'm gonna go with a guy who I, I, he's not in my votes, and I'm pretty sure he won't be in either of your votes. Um, so I'll go that way. Because uh, there's another guy who might be on the fringe of some votes, um, Zach Guthrie. Like, we just now take for granted, or I certainly do, that he's going to do the right thing, whatever that might be in the given situation. And you only have to rewind two years, you know, two seasons to to us going. You know, obviously he's got to you know develop the strength and you know physicality to play at the level but you know he's also got to work on his decision making and his you know his his composure under pressure uh, all that sort of thing and now he's like one of Geelong's most assured cogs down back and he just plays his role beautifully each week um he's uh, nearly flawless really in, in mm. what he produces in defense for the cats whether it's marking whether it's competing one-on-one if a ball does hit the deck whether it's distributing the footy out to a teammate he's he's just a really lovely backline player for the cats and um look there's been times where i've mistaken him for tom stewart you know Definitely. where the, the way in which he'll i'll be like oh stewie's got that mark oh shit that's that's guff um down there so and he pulled out props. the uh pulled out the jujitsu to uh to not be dis- <laughs> dispossessed on the boundary on the yeah weekend. that was great uh, that was Just, that was uh, yeah incredible and so so yes. smart and um and quick and and classy as well like again the bit like sam simpson didn't do it in like a rough and tumble i'm gonna snap your arm kind of way it was just a real simple little shift mm. of the weight and turn of the body and not to not let him escape and it was uh, it was um it was pretty and hilarious could have could have nearly been holding the ball on his behalf <laughs> mm. yeah that tackle is is Max Holmes in either of your votes? Holmes? Uh, Holmes? No, no, he's not. No. No, he's not in mine either. So I'll, I'll just add this and then we'll okay. launch into votes. You can give us yours first, Sam. That is just that it would be enough for Max Holmes, for Max Holmes to be a fast game-breaking outside player who can get fed an easy ball and, and, and dash off and, and run through 50 and kick a goal. It would be easy enough for him to just rely on that part of his game. The fact that he cracks in and had the second most pressure acts for the Cats, the fact that he gets in and tackles, the fact that he is happy to run through the middle of a contest, like that just makes him a totally game-breaking player and and it just i've just got so much respect for him as a player because he's got athletic gifts that not every cat has you look at you know you compare him with tom atkins max Holmes starts with just a natural athletic advantage of like this guy's really exceptionally fast tommy atkins doesn't get that 
but Holmes doesn't just rest on that. You know what I mean? He, he, mm. He's a hard worker and, and I love that. Um, and it just sets such a great tone. And I, I'm so excited about what he can offer um, moving forward and what he's going to achieve in his career. It's, it's, I think the ceiling, I don't even know if we know what the ceiling for him as a player is just yet. Um, all right, Sambo, crack into your votes, then Johnny, and then I'll finish us out. Uh, my vote, uh, my one vote is going to Tom Stewart um, because he probably, as you said, Jake, pretty much turns in a three-vote performance every game <laughs> in, any, in any other scenario, but he does it so consistently that he just ends up not getting any votes. Um, and I think yeah. he, he he deserved one because he was, like, he's just so damaging. He's he's so, yeah. like, I think it's, it's, it's very easy to say oh, he's a really good defender, and he is, but it's not it's not just about you know being a brick wall and repelling the opposition mm. it's the the fact that he he intercepts really potentially dangerous deliveries he intercepts those and then he he turns it over himself in such a damaging way that he's he's as vital to our forward thrust as he is to our repelling of attacks he's a he's a great tackler he's a he's also the other thing that's probably not underappreciated after his suspension last year but I think he's probably under-mentioned is how tough he is. Um, that Like yeah. he's, he's one of those players that I think you saw it against Sydney. I think you saw it against the Eagles, the Hawks, and again against Essendon. The perceived pressure that he puts on opposition because they're, they're worried about Tom Stewart lurking with a bump uh, just just out of frame, just just out of their peripheral vision. Um, you can just kind of really sense that, that he, he absolutely puts the fear fear of God or the fear of Tom in, uh, in the opposition. And I, I do think it's somewhat undervalued is that he is a player that um, he's a real presence. He's not, he's not just, you know, cause he's, he's not much of a character. Like he's not like, he's not carrying on and being an idiot. But man, I think his tackles hurt more than a lot of other people's tackles hurt, um, and he mm. and he generally does it in a legal way. Uh, my two votes are to Tom Hawkins. Um, could also easily have the three votes. Obviously, yeah. an absolute bag. Not even back at his career best. Back at his, he's the best he's ever like better than his career best. I mean, this mm. you know it's like a it's a career defining performance. Like it's you know he's. Mm. He's he's adding to his highlights reel in what should be his is the twilight of his career, and and yet you feel like when they when they show highlights for whenever he eventually retires, most of us are going to remember the things because they're only going to be from the last <laughs> last couple of years because he's doing all grand the, final best, day, best, yeah, he's doing mm-hmm. all his best work uh, right at the end, and you know I think. It might be controversial not to give him his three votes. Everybody else, I think, around the trap seems to be giving the three votes. But I think he's – I don't think he has the day he had without the man that gets the three votes. He's the man that's getting the focus of our of our player focus for the Patreon, and that is Patrick Dangerfield, who was just, just fucking phenomenal, I thought. I just – I really thought he, he led by example. Um, he mm. obviously had some insane stats. Um, in 15 inside 50s. Um, can't remember what his clearances were off the top of my head, but he did it all with like something like less than seventy percent or around about seventy percent game time. He's the most yeah. Um, someone someone's was saying that he's the most benched player, most benched <laughs> senior player in the league that he like he does generally spend consistently. Um, consistently by the end of the year, he will have sat out 
like three or four games because of the amount of time mm. that he's able to rest. And then he comes on and he's so damaging in that short amount of time. Um, and I think he's, yeah, I think he's, he's also possibly playing career best football. Um, he's really sort of that captaincy weight out, whatever it was that sort of seemed to be dogging him about it before. Um, he seems to be not being pulled down by it, but but now pulling the the captaincy along with him, where he's he's sort of redefining what a mm. captain can look like. Um, yeah, I just could I couldn't look past him honestly to give him the three votes. I just really thought that Hawkins was obviously fantastic, but without without the work that <laughs> Dangerfield was doing, um, Hawkins might only have seven or something. <laughs> Johnny, what about yours? Um, one vote's tough. It's been tough to find mm. my one vote. There's a lot of players, but I think, yeah, I'm just going to go with Tom Stewart again. Like Sam said, just good player, solid, reliable, what you want as a key defender. Two votes I'm giving to Tom Hawkins, exact same reasons, and my three votes are going to pay daddy. Just those exact reasons he was a monster well this is kind of embarrassing because i pinned mine down an hour before we recorded the show and went one tom stewart two to tom <laughs> hawkins and three to patrick dangerfield so we all saw it the same I way mine. i think um yeah is the that the second mine. week in a row dangerfield's got the nine could be actually mind. i think he did get you're not keeping tally though, from each of us so. against sydney not at the minute no i'm gonna probably I might secretly count them up at mid-season or something, but um, yeah, I I think Sam capped it up well with his descriptions yeah. of all three players' games. I, I think that that really wraps it up. So with that, we will end um, the public part of the show. Before we go over, um, and we're going to discuss Patrick Dangerfield in more depth in our Patreon player focus. If you want to come and join us for that, it's $3.50 US per month. Um, for that, written content, extended episodes, video versions of all the shows. So if you want to do that, we'd love to have you on there. If not, just keep listening. We love that too. Um, wanted to just end before we sign off, chaps, with a couple of late three-word reviews that I really liked. Um, we had uh, Logical said Hawk Blitzers Bombers, which just didn't quite get in the, in the deadline. Jack said four on the trot. And I wanted to end with this one, which was a lovely callback, I believe, to a previous episode, to a point I made. Uh, Fiona said, not just birds, referencing the fact that the cats <laughs> defeat teams without feathered mascots. So well played, Fiona. Um, all right. Let's they get out of here, chaps. Mascots. Let's go over and... Winged mascots. Let's... I know, we've got to see if we can beat the uh, the mascots that are trotting around on Earth. Um, and we don't get an opportunity this week because it's the crows. So <laughs> 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 we're off to the uh, Patreon player focus now. Until next time, go cats. Go cats. Go cats.